Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Chiwetel Ejiofor and Ed Screen chat the upcoming Maleficent Mistress of Evil. Sienna Miller discusses the fantastic new film American Woman. Marie Forleo tells us about her new book Everything is Figureoutable and shares an incredible story about her mum plus Sophie Doll charms us with her brilliant new children's novel Madame Badoobada plus loads more great guests enjoy my friends enjoy 12 Years a Slave, Game of Thrones, The Lion King. Between them, our next guests wow. really know how to choose a project. Mm-hmm. Together, they star in the bewitching Disney sequel, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, which is out next Friday. So please, go wild for Hollywood's latest power couple, Chiwetel Ejiofor <laughs> and Ed Scrine. Oh, I didn't realise. <laughs> They've taken over from Brangelina. <laughs> yeah, this is good, first. isn't it? We need to have a name a name of, of, of our names combined. OK, so Chiwetel and uh, Ed. Chiwet? Edgewise is <laughs> quite good. I like that. That's, that's very good. Anyway, so uh, you were both at the premiere last night. Um, what was it like? What are premieres like nowadays? Just down the road here. Just, yes. Yeah, just at the IMAX. It was wonderful. Yeah, come on, yeah. tell us. Come on, more. More than, I want more than wonderful. Well, it's, um, it was, there was a load of people out were there. Were there limos? There, was, there were cars. There were, were there, <laughs> limos in London. Oh, there. were there red carpets? Or there, was there, there a black red car- carpet? Red carpets, yeah. Okay. There was, you know, loads of us out there. Loads of people dressed up. It was... It was great. I mean, it's got such a huge following, Maleficent. So it was, uh, I, I loved it. Yeah, the Disney yeah. premieres are bigger than other premieres. You know you're on a Disney train when you turn up at the, the premieres. They're bigger and jazzier and, and kind of more exciting. Because the, the, the bigger the, lo- the bigger the premiere, the bigger the launch, the more heat it has and the more chance it has of catching light, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Not that Maleficent needs to, but of course everything needs to. You can't take anything for granted. Okay, so looking at um, the first movie, which I didn't see, um, took 758 0.5 million dollars at the box office you two do seem to have the golden touch when choosing a project how so well i mean uh, where's the inner diviner within both of you yeah I, I, you know i think it's all about just um storytelling you know and i think that uh, the projects that i choose is uh, you know are related to that just i just feel like if i'm moved if i'm touched if i'm engaged if i think it's a if i think it's a ride then I'm excited to get on board. See, I like that. If I think it's a ride, that'll do, won't it? That's the answer there. Okay, what about you, Ed? I think it's it's, it's a combination of using my somewhat limited intellect and using my (laughs) instincts. You know, it's like you you, you analyse the project, you know, and and see who the director is, who the producers are, who the writers are. You look at the text, and then after that, I kind of just... Pray. Go with instinct. Go to church a lot. That does help as well. Have you seen the time lapse of Angelina in makeup? Yes. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yes. I mean, we were living that every day. You know, my first makeup test was 10 and a half hours, Chris. You know, and then after that, we got it down to about five and a half. I think the fastest we ever did was 402 or 357. That's for you. 
Yeah, that's for me. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, it does work. It, it, you know, all the money's on the screen, which is great. Mm. But how long, how long did it take for Angelina to become Maleficent? Though? I'm not sure, actually. I think it's about three hours, three, mm. three four hours, yeah. What about you? Mm. Yeah, same. Three hours, really? three, four hours, yeah. So, so what, what? Five hours in the you, you, they did. I mean, they, it's almost like they hollowed out your cheeks, Ed. What did, what did they do to you? Well, they add these prosthetic pieces to your cheekbones. Yeah. And then they have to, you know, but I also add um, prosthetic pieces on my torso, on yeah. one of my arms, Six pack. on my shoulders. Yeah, they printed on <laughs> my six pack every morning um over the beer belly and um yeah they just had to do so much you know the ears and then they they have to spray it i mean you're standing there at seven in the morning with alan partridge on a laptop in front of you while they put on your is horns that what, is that what you did that's how i got through what about it most you, days. how did you get through prosthetics in the morning I just, I just stared into the nothingness you know for four hours every day were you quite zen uh, yeah i was i was in preparation <laughs> mode let's say by know. the way if you haven't seen the time lapse of uh, angelina getting ready we've put it on on our website haven't we so there's is there a link there is it on Insta- on Instagram, okay, it's on our Instagram. It's brilliant. It's a great, it's a great viral trailer uh, for the movie. Do you have rap parties on a movie like this? Do you all stick around and celebrate? So, I'm, I'm sure there was one. I wasn't at the rap party. Were you at the rap party? No, I had to go off and do another movie. Um, and I'm not such a rap party person, actually. <laughs> have you ever been a 24-hour party person or have you all been two to four hours? And no, I've, I've, I've been a 24-hour party person, but not with work people. Uh, I oh, see. Very see. good. Yeah. All right. Very impressive. Okay. Now you're not you're not starstruck necessarily by Mich- the Michelle Pfeiffer's and the, uh, the Angelina Jolies of this world. Uh, by the way, Sienna Miller's coming on. In, in oh, a bit. great. Okay. Um, everybody, the, she. So many people have offered to go and collect her from reception yeah. this morning. <laughs> it's just not funny. Um, but starstruck wise, particularly to tell anybody you've worked with and you thought, oh, today's day. Well, you know, I loved working on this for exactly that. You know, Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, uh, Angelina Jolie. I'd worked with Angelina before and had a great time. We did Salt together a few yeah, years ago. Did. And uh, uh, and I just think, you know, you know I think... That was, both, a little, that was a while ago now, 11, yeah, 12 years ago? Yeah, 10 years ago, something like that. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, obviously terrific actresses, amazing actresses, but um, and with Angelina, you know, I just... Her whole worldview is so incredible. I know you said that, and, yeah. And I just... And, I, and it's just a wonderful... And she's so invested in all of the projects she does. It's just a wonderful place to be. How does she find the time to make movies that take quite a lot, Proper movies nowadays. Yeah. How, and all those children. Amazing. <laughs> Were they at the premiere last night? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. we worked so hard. It was such a physically demanding shoot, but she would go off on the weekends and do these amazing trips around the world yeah. and, and charity work and stuff. And, and, you know, she's such an admirable woman. Well, lovely to meet you too. Again, Earth, um, yeah, th- yeah. thanks for coming in. Thank Good luck you, with that. You, you've got, Thank you. Uh, Chitel's got this. He's going to be the next Bond, basically. That's it. He can't talk about it. Um, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> but there is something he can't talk about, and it's not fair. Because you want a super scoop. You're, you can tell us something quick before you leave, Con. Yeah, I'm, I've got a movie called Midway coming out um, next month, which is really exciting. You're off it's, to Hawaii. I'm off to Hawaii. It's where we filmed it. It's, it's, it's about the Battle of Midway in the Pacific Theatre in World War II. Um, it's, it's a real-life battle that um, was incredible. Woody Harrelson, Patrick Wilson, Aaron Eckhart, Luke Evans um, are in a movie with me. And it's, it's, it's a piece which I'm very proud of, you know. Um, both my grandparents fought in the uh, British Army and British Air Force and, you know, the bravery of the men is, is, is commendable and respectable. And the women, of course. And we show that in the movie as well. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil is brilliant. It is, but you can't take your eyes off anybody in it or any of the action all the time and the two hours that last will just disappear in front of your eyes. Uh, Ant Cinemas a week tomorrow, Friday the 18th of October. 
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. From prowling through London in layer cake to the plains of the Mississippi Delta and cat on a hot tin roof, she can turn her hand to almost anything. Her new film, American Woman, is unleashed tomorrow. So please welcome a lady that's all killer, no filler. It's Sienna Miller. Sienna Miller, very good. You happy with that one, are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet you are. I bet you are. And Dave was at the head of the queue. He was fighting to be at the head of the queue with Sam Pinkham this morning to to go and collect yeah. Sienna from reception. Um, oh. How many people did go down to collect you this morning? Do you About know? three, I think. Okay, well, there were 300 <laughs> on the shortlist, let me tell you. How are you, Sienna? I'm fine. I'm still getting over the all killer, no filler, Sienna Miller. Yeah, I it's quite the like. best thing ever. It best is. thing ever. I'm good. So American Woman tomorrow uh, in cinemas and digital tomorrow. That's good, isn't it? I think it's so. It's a similar release. No, we've done the, a lot, lot of these. They work. I think that's what they they're doing, aren't they? They definitely work. Yes. 100% yeah. they work. Okay, so, um, Sienna, let's talk about the film um, straight away. It is a brilliant, brilliant film. Quite a misleading title, especially as we're playing the bed of American it, woman underneath. Yeah. Um, you, you, you tell the, as much of the story as you want to tell on the radio so people watch the movie. Well, it's about a woman who, as, as the movie opens, it's 32. She has a 16-year-old daughter and her 16-year-old daughter has a two-year-old son. And the 16-year-old daughter goes missing and she's quite reckless at that time. She's sort of reliving her youth that was lost because she was a young parent and she's catapulted into raising her grandson without knowing what happened to her daughter. So that kind of sets it up. But it's really about the resilience of humans, I think. And the bravery of this woman is really what it's about. I don't think you're left incredibly depressed although it's really a hard subject matter because she's really brave and resilient it is it's so interesting because she's so rubbish as a human when you first meet her for understandable reasons but she's she's broken she's a broken person yeah and she's pretending not to be broken and then when she has a reason to be broken she's anything but in the end yeah so it's it's really quite strange isn't it it's a reversal of how she feels uh, f- from the beginning to the end now the first 10 minutes you don't know anything's going to happen to her daughter and i thought this is because i didn't know what it was about because i never know what movies are about before i watch them that's how i like to see them yeah and my wife saw it the night before and she watched it again with me last night she said oh, it's great you're gonna love it Aww. and um she so we're watching the first 10 minutes and i think okay it's a story about four women you your character your daughter um, your sister who lives over the road and your mum who all have a lot everything in common and nothing in common because yeah. you have everything in common because you're from because you're from the same family but you have nothing in common as far as your life's concerned so that's how it starts um but then obviously there's this massive twist and churchill said you know if you're going through hell keep going that's pretty much what she does isn't it yeah she does she does and it's I think it's kind of deceptive because it looks like it might be a mystery and it's really not that. It's about what is left behind in the wake of something like this. And people somehow manage to put their lives back together, even if it's messy and some semblance of a life and carry on. Um, she's really brave and resilient and stoic. And it's sort of a character study of a woman, which I think is really great. Certainly as an actor, it is. Look at the reviews for this. Um uh, the New York Times, the, true, the performances are excellent and um, Inglesby's dialogue largely rings true, but while the movie's indeed considered unconscientious, it's also very careful. That's the thing, it's so careful because you're always thinking it could fall off its own tightrope, but it never does. Uh, but it's always teetering on the brink. doesn't risk going over any edges itself. The Los Angeles Times says, at first, the bones of American woman feel familiar with its titular character's sharp elbows pushing us away. We've seen dramas led by brush women before. The one here is played by Sienna Miller, though displaying more rage and range 
I like that. More rage and range in a single film than some actors get to show in their whole careers. What an opportunity. What a lovely it thing to was, write about. That is nice. That is. It was, it felt, I, I wonder if I'll ever get anything that good again. It felt like such oh, a Oh, is it one of those? I feel I might have peaked, which is really, really, I mean, I, it sort of had everything. It was, I find her really funny. I loved how brash she was. I love that I got to go on this journey and begin as one thing and really end as something completely different. It just felt like a very full experience so yeah. so I, I you know how come you're so good at american accents i was gonna think well because it was because you were born in new york yeah but you left before you were one so that wouldn't be it, would it? <laughs> my dad had an Ameri- has an american accent so maybe growing up with that sound i think i just i can Is just he a do new them Yorker? he's not he's from pennsylvania That's not right. near he doesn't sound like this um but i like accents it's about having a good ear. All right. Um, now, it's nearly a girl gang show film. There are some brilliant blokes in there as yeah. well. I love your brother-in-law. He's, yes. he's the best he's ever. He's so good, Because he? you have the biggest round in the world. And then he, he, he's like your protector in the end. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> he's great. And this isn't true, a true story at all, is it? No. Okay. I thought it might be. So I read up afterwards. I thought, is this true? It could be true, but yeah. it's not true. No, I think it was inspired by, there was a woman coming out and, and sort of attacking a, a, the wife of a murderer and saying, I need to speak to your husband. He killed. I think that, that scene uh, was based on something true and that inspired the film. That doesn't make any sense to anyone who hasn't seen it. But, <laughs> but Chris knows what I'm talking I about. I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's, it's rather wonderful. And also, I didn't know when it was going to end because I didn't know how long it was because that's another thing. I don't, don't really want to know much about the film. You're um, brave, aren't you? Well, no, because I just love film. You know, and I know that if we've got... It depends you know, on who... The team only booked brilliant people, so I know you're not going to have chosen a bad project. So uh, it's always something to look forward to. So I never know how long it's going to be, so I didn't know what what might happen. And it does go on a bit longer than I thought it would, which is great (laughs) because I thought, oh, something's going to happen and then something does happen and you think... Ah, oh, yeah, that's what it was all. Oh, yeah. I get that yeah. now, and I like that. Oh, good. It's got the non-closure closure bit to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, by life goes on, and where's it going to go next? Deb two. Exactly. That's it was it. almost like an end of part one, which is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely brilliant. So, what are you, what are you doing next today? Um, I am. I think I've got some more radio than I've got this morning, and then I've got <gasps> Graham Norton with Philly Willoughby. With Philip Willoughby, yes. <laughs> Philly okay, well, Willoughby. Give our love to those guys I and will. Graham, and uh, I can tell you honestly. It's uh, 1 hour 40, I think, your movie is in the end. 1 hour 42, something like that. Uh, You will not go wrong. You will not regret um, giving those... Uh, those hours and those minutes to this movie American Woman in cinemas and digital tomorrow Sienna thank you thank you the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio she's a Sunday Times best-selling author who's making her first foray into the world of children's books the brilliant Madhu 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 is out now oh, I knew I was going to do that is out now and here to tell us all about it it's the purveyor of perfect prose the lovely Sophie Dahl morning Sophie <laughs> Good morning, Chris. Good All morning, right, good welcome, morning. welcome. Uh, Sophie, this is a beautiful book. I read it yesterday at home. Uh, it's not, I would say it's not quite a short story. It's a bit long, which I quite liked. Yes, it's it's an odd length. It's a um, long form picture book. But I split it up into three because I didn't want it to be that book that parents dread well, that their kid picks at night time. you split it up into three. It's broken up into three. No, it's bits. not. It's broken up three into four. Three and a half. Or four. Oh, three and a half. No, fair enough. Okay, this is part one, part two, part two and a half, yes. part four. Yes. 
Which is technically four. Yes. Okay. All right. You win. You know more about my book than me. No, no, because I just, I, I, I loved it. Okay. So um, we, we have uh, the little girl who's the principal and a, a stranger comes to stay. A stranger comes to stay. So it's the story of Mabel who lives in a seaside B&B and her mum and dad are the managers of the B&B, which is called the Mermaid Hotel. And one day, a stranger, an enigmatic old lady walks in and she's wearing feathers around her neck and she has a very growly voice and she's unpleasant and possibly a bit unsavoury and she might have a dog that's peeing on a suitcase and that is Madame Badoobada. I know, I know your grandpa famously, famously wrote in that shed at the bottom of his garden, yes. didn't he? Where do you write? I write at the kitchen table. I write at the kitchen How table. Is that? How is that? With the traffic, the kitchen traffic? It's, uh, it's, it's noisy and then I complain that everyone has disturbed me. Ah, good excuse. <laughs> so it's a ploy. I see. Um, so I start at the kitchen table and then often I migrate upstairs because normally at the kitchen table I will have a feral dog or a cat mm. or some creature climbing on me. Um, so I end up upstairs um, where the doorbell doesn't ring in quite the same way and um yeah see you even talk like you write where the doorbell doesn't ring in quite the same way that's a great <laughs> sentence yeah right you gotta use that Sophie. that's great okay. uh becky in sunny ribble valley says sophie's new book is definitely top of my list for my gorgeous uh, niece mabel i'm sure she'll love it for obvious reasons and the reason your book in my opinion my humble opinion yes not my hyperbolized opinion my humble opinion um, ends up being a bit longer than a short story is because you have some lovely assigns in it. And obviously, you know, that is a, a, a stream of consciousness. When do you decide to leave those in and how much do you have to take out before it just gets a bit too gobbledygooky? It's a good question. I think the it's the beauty, one of the many beauties of children's books is you have to get to the point. So you can't bang on too much. So I think in my grown-up books, I might bang on a bit. <laughs> Right, but I think in children's you have to be more succinct, and it's one of the one of the many great things about them. There's a book that if you don't know of it, you should read, and it's by Catherine Rundell, and it's called Why We Should Read Children's Books, Why You Should Read Children's Books, Even Though You Are So Old and Wise, <laughs> and it's all about the lessons that great children's books teach us, right? Um, that we forget about when we're grown ups, and they are that people make it through adversity that wit matters that empathy matters that compassion matters and you forget in the sort of the classics of your childhood that that's where you first learnt about that stuff give kids tips on on writing how making stories up for homework you just gave a great tip off the air there so i think tips for writing stories off home i think that i think don't worry about your ending i think that endings don't have to be endings they can be somewhere somewhere in the middle because life keeps carrying on other good tip I have is to really think about what happens to you during the day and write interesting things down. So if you notice a suspicious character, <laughs> write down what was suspicious about them. Where do you write all your ideas down? Anywhere. Uh, I've, just, got I've just got notebooks. You just get them of, down. Yeah. A back of the hand sometimes. Well, no, they're just in weird. I find them sort of mixed in with shopping lists right. and odd. Yeah. Good for you. And how much of your time would you would you say you spend writing? Um, now, every pretty, day, pretty much much of my time. Yeah. Did you always think time. you'd end up doing this? Well, it's so it was what I always wanted to do, and then I had a sort of series of happy accidental, <laughs> right, um, career forays, and um, <laughs> but it was always the thing that I was sort of doing Good in the background. You. I was a I was a big reader. That was the thing I did first. Well, that's it. 
Thank yeah. you very much. Are you happy? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sophie Doll is delightful as always, and her book is great. Sophie Doll's Madame Badubada. Um, Lauren O'Hara illustrates, and it's out for you to buy for Crimble now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. Ashling B tells us about starring in the upcoming Netflix comedy Living With Yourself. Katie Brand brings in her brand new book, I Carried a Watermelon, Dirty Dancing and Me. And the legendary Suggs delves into Madness's first ever official book, Before We Was We, celebrating 40 years since the release of their debut album, One Step Beyond, in their own words. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave, who's next? An award-winning comedian, writer and actress that's just released her first non-fiction book, part memoir and part homage to her favourite film. I Carried a Watermelon, Dirty Dancing and Me is out now, so please join us in saying, nobody puts baby in the corner. It's the lovely Katie Brand. Good morning, Katie. No, thank you. Okay, so I started reading your book yesterday. Yes. Right, because you're on the show. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, thank you. That's more than some have done. No, no, but I always do. I always do. I like to. I like to. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate so it. So I start reading the book and thinking, oh, this is nice. She's going to parallel her book with Dirty Dancing. Then you read on. You, no, you can. No, no. This is a this is a love letter, a two hundred <gasps> odd page love letter to Dirty Dancing. It's about you, of course it is, but it is about Dirty Dancing. And Dirty Dancing doesn't come and go. Dirty Dancing is in basically every paragraph. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yes. It, it is. is. Yes. And I make no apologies for it. It's it's fascinating. I mean, the first thing you should do is bag the rights for the genre which is the book of the film. Oh, that's because, interesting. Because other people do this with their favourite films, and you st- this is a great idea that other people can do. Well, I, I don't know if you know this, Chris, but I worked as a runner for your company 20 years ago. <gasps> Ginger. Right. And I, uh, so in, for anyone in media and entertainment I'm going to take business advice from, it's going to be you, quite frankly. So I think I might get on to a media lawyer immediately on leaving this building. Well, back in the day, we made a few quid, so, the, so yeah, that's, that's what it must be. Yes. It must be the magic of our past. I know. C- what coming sort of to secure the corporate... Do? Fu- our fu- our, 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 our uh, joint venture corporate future. Yes, excellent. <laughs> what job did you do for Chris's company? Well, I mainly got um, lunches and coffees for mm. the uh, development staff and the production staff. And I mainly, it was when you're on Newman Street, and I main, most of my work was going from the office to the big posters for, uh, post office on Newman Street. We were flying and back then. again. Newman yes. Street days, we were you flying. Was that Stop were they the good years? letters those days. We weren't, <laughs> but we weren't thinking, we were just doing, weren't we? Yeah, we it was a very busy We uh, didn't have to think of things, things just happened. Yeah. And we thought it'd be like that forever, and it wasn't. <laughs> 
nothing's like that forever except right. Dirty Dancing. Right, okay. So, so you first watched Dirty Dancing when you were how old? Eleven. Where so were you when you watched it? I was at home uh, in my house in Amersham in Buckinghamshire, and it was I was um, I watched it on my own. It was in 1990, three years after it came out. Came on the telly. Didn't really know much about it. I love films with dancing, but uh, I thought oh, I'll give this a go. I haven't got anything else on being eleven, um, and uh, I just sort of didn't move for the whole thing I felt very excited exhilarated but the main word I come back to was afterwards I felt invincible I felt like I could do anything yeah, yeah. and I really relate everyone I think assumes with women and dirty dancing that it's all about Patrick and it is to some extent but really it's about baby really it's about the lead character you sort of identify and fall in love with baby the the 17 year old lead character who is a very active heroine she makes all the action happen she takes every opportunity she's completely fearless she doesn't think twice she just leaps him with both feet and uh, I just you know she seduces him she makes it all happen and I think as a young girl you just come off the back of that film and you just think I could do anything I mean in a way it was way ahead of its time yeah I think mm, it is so. and I think actually it's a rite of passage film for girls and there aren't many of those around which is partly why everyone sort of converges on this to some extent yeah, yeah. but it is a great piece of entertainment obviously the dancing is amazing the music's amazing the chemistry between the two of them is amazing but and I watched it every day for three months because I finally managed to tape it off the telly the next time it was on. Did you watch it, watch it once a day or twice a day sometime? Once a day after school. Right. Uh, and then it was confiscated uh, for my own good. By mum? Yeah, by my dad. There are some right. subjects in it that are quite big for an 11-year-old. Yeah. Some, they deal with some big stuff. Are, there is some big stuff. The substance yeah. of the film, the termination of an unplanned pregnancy and mm. things. So that sort of stuff was very important to the writer. Uh, and anyway, it was taken off me just because I was getting obsessive with it and I needed to do some homework. Anyway, I found it, continued to watch it every day until it broke. Uh, and then kind of my life moved on a bit and I, I continued to watch it every now and again, but that was the heat of my obsession okay, between so 11 and 13. That's how you and Dirty Dancing became an item. Yes. And you're still an item today. Yes, very no. much so. <laughs> so you pitched, We've rekindled So you pitched the idea extent. of the book, yes. right? And I don't think we should say where the book end, ends up because okay. that, that does, you know, it's brilliant. You think, no, really? <laughs> Are you really going to do that? Yes. And then you, get, then you go and do what we're alluding to or talking around. Yes. And then it gets better and better and better doesn't it yeah it's I mean yes do read the book there is a chapter at the end I went on a trip and it was a like a guess where she went everyone <laughs> anybody got any ideas where she went she went and uh, everyone was very nice to there wasn't it it was um, great imagine if you hadn't seen Dirty Dancing I know what would your life be like then well I mean there were there were some great films around about then but perhaps it would have been something like Labyrinth and my life would have ended up a lot weirder but it, it's true doesn't it it literally became a blueprint for your life yes it has and I you know I loved The Sound of Music I loved Mary Poppins I loved Dirty Dancing and what I realised was these are films about women who turn up and sort some people they out do. and I think Nanny that, McPhee yeah. I love Nanny McPhee um, the original Nanny McPhee yes yeah. and I um, I think that has definitely informed a lot of my life T certainly in terms of grabbing opportunities when they come along trying to just do things fearlessly without worrying about looking foolish but also this sort of sense of like yeah I'm going to come in and sort this out and all of that and I watched it on my 40th birthday this year which was how this book came about We, my husband said what do you want to do tonight because we didn't have a babysitter that night etc we had other things planned later but he said uh, what do you want to do just tonight uh, after we've had a meal and I just suddenly said out of the blue I wasn't expecting it I want to watch Dirty Dancing and then I thought do I oh my god yes I do uh, and we just got it on uh, you know on the telly like you can now if I could tell my 11 year old self you could just go I want to watch Dirty Dancing and there it is but um, I really concentrated on it and as I was watching it I was sort of thinking I want to have a bit of a reckoning with my teenage self because I was very sort of driven quite charmless well, you said you've ambitious. always been 40 as well yeah you? I feel like I've always been 40 so it's quite a relief <laughs> to be 40 um 
and I just thought, God, there's a lot in this film that to, there's a, it says a lot. I sort of enjoyed it as well, but I thought, I think there's a lot more to say here. And I pitched the book probably a week later after my birthday and HQ, the publishers, bought it the day after. And that never happens. That sort of stuff never happens. So I think that shows the sort of the well, strength of feeling about the fantastic. film. Fantastic. I don't know I don't know, I don't know whether it'll catch light straight away the book, but it will catch light. Um, yeah, it feels and, like it's building. Yeah, and it and, might be tomorrow yeah. and it might be next week. But it it's good. This book will sell forever. Oh, thank you. No, it Hope will so. sell forever. And and the film <laughs> It was re-released in 1997 because you talk about it because of Conan O'Brien, who yeah. knew that he was such a fan of the film. But this, you know, this is it, isn't it? You know, you're giving it, giving everybody a chance to go. No, no, I love Dirty Dancing too. It's like I'm Spartacus. It's like it's yes. the same kind of thing. It, and you're going to get all these gr- Dirty Dancing groups throughout the world now popping up because you've sort of you vocalised it in the in the page of this book. Thank you. Well, yeah. I mean, I did look around. I thought I bet someone's done this already, yeah. and I had a look, and there was nothing. I thought, right, best I'm ideas. In. I was yeah. like, what really? You're joking. I know. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. She podcasts, she acts, she jokes, she writes. She's the master of all and jack of none. Soon to be seen starring along not one, but two Paul Rudds in the new Netflix series Living With Yourself. Please welcome the hardest working woman in show business and self-confessed avocado enthusiast. It's the brilliant Ashling B. Good morning, Ashling. Welcome, welcome. Hi. We're watching one if you only have half an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have to be somewhere, be careful. You might want to ring fence the all four hours that you're going to need. I pretty much got on with three hours yesterday. It's it's fantastic. It's one of those Netflix, Amazon, Sky Original kind of HBO kind of things that is sort of unbelievable. But now people are making making shows based on unbelievable um, seed ideas, but making them domestic and relatable. Domestic, and yeah, yeah, relatable. And it's like, have you explained to anyone it, what the show is no, about? No, you don't say oh, yeah. so. So, and is it because right? People, people are just better at writing now, or think extraordinary things are more believable because the, of the crazy world we, we're living in, or because we're searching for something else, which this film sort of t- whispers to us. Yeah, for me, it's that it's 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 answer three, please, Chris. Yeah. Uh, searching for meaning. Yeah. Um, I think that the, so the show essentially is Paul Rudd's character Miles is down in his luck. He's not having a great time. Our marriage is struggling a little bit, and someone offers him this quick fix to go to a spa which will make you your better self. What he doesn't realise is what they do is, and this isn't too much of a spoiler alert, it's all in episode one, that they clone him and they don't kill off the original properly. That's so that's what they usually yeah. offer. For fi- well, so what they normally do. So the clone grand. doesn't realise they're a clone. They're just walking around as their most amazing self. Yeah. Um, so suddenly there are two hymns. And I suppose the question is, with all of our, is there a possibility as humans that we could be our better selves? Because even if you were to make someone biologically better uh, or perfect in, in whatever way that would be, all of the bits of you that make you a human, that are you at your core, at your soul, all of your mess and complexities is that who you are and do the people who love you love you for all of those bits with all of your messy bits in the way so that's kind of what it explores but like the the I suppose concept is a little black mirrory someone gets cloned but the show itself is quite domestic in that it's about a relationship with him with himself and him with me so Paul Rudd Yes. You're, you're, you play his beleaguered wife. Well, you play Miles's one beleaguered wife and Miles two quite happy wife, surprised yeah, wife. I don't know if beleaguered is the right word because I feel beleaguered plays into that old kind of like, oh, the wife, blah. Like she's a whole person in her well, own no, she right. Is beleaguered, but though, she's, she's also, a nightmare. 
but she has her own stuff going on as well. Yeah. I think that sort of old trope of like, me's a nightmare, what are we going to do with him is sort of like boring. And so like even to play, to get in as scripts and she's a whole person in her own right. Yeah. And I suppose what some, I, I was interviewed by a, by a journalist recently, he'd only seen episode one and two and they were like, oh, and so, you know, you often say you don't want to play like the wife or the girlfriend. I'm like, oh, wait till four and five because yeah. suddenly the car turns around well, and does everything it. from I, her point of view. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's no angel either. And it's a, it's a communication problem between the two of them but to paint one person as an angel and one person as a devil or sort of a put upon wife and I'm sort of that old chestnut I think is um, yeah driven a bit thin because what you end up doing then as an actor and a performer you end up always playing like sigh well if only he would come to me then everything would be fine as if I'm not can he get off that playstation can we please can he get off the playstation so we can have a kid trying to advertise this lovely light can of drink whatever it is but I I think you know you come with all of um, your complexities and stuff as well and so we have to there's a beautiful book by this woman called Esther Perel called Mating in Captivity and she's a sex therapist who has this amazing podcast and it's called um, Where Should We Begin and you listen in on her doing uh, a live couples therapy between two people and again, a lot of the time it falls into that uh, beleaguered and, oh, I just lost my job, so I have no money and I feel less of a... And you know, so the kind of the tropes of what you hear. And then slowly she she unpicks the two of them and suddenly it's not a man and a wife, it's two people yeah. who are trying to coexist and get along with each other. And, and where someone might compensate or be trying to be the best person but isn't essentially listening to the person with them. And it's just, I, I like the idea of it being two people in a marriage or relationship. You're essentially two friends trying to live with each other. Yeah. Um, never mind the gender stuff um, and so that's kind of what I loved about this script when I got it through I was like oh he has given me as an actor and a person the respect and his wife and I don't think Paul would have done it he's got a very dynamic wife he's a writer and creator in her own right they wouldn't have said yes to a show that was just like this schlub when's he gonna get his act together you know <laughs> which I think is also patronising to men when those parts come up as much as they are to women I mean we must point out Ashley it is a comedy as well because <laughs> that's really it's really important that we Without mention that isn't it? Why, yeah. did you get a load of angry tweets and just were like oh no not, um, not at all but it is a comedy I think it's just important to, to point oh, out oh yeah uh, because uh, often, often you know comedy best way of conveying any kind of point mm-hmm. uh, but it is it's absolutely brilliant it's so simple not much happens in every episode but that's that's irrelevant, isn't it? Because you know, if you if you really sort of focus in on anything that's important in life, uh, not much does have to happen, and you can still talk about it forever. Mm. I suppose that's the, the human thing. condition, basically. Yeah. And you're watching yourself. It's what I like to watch as well. And I think with streaming services, you get a bit of space to you watch do? stuff now. It's podcasting. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, visual yeah. podcasting, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And Paul Rudd, uh, he plays like his twin, if you like, mm-hmm. his clone twin. Yes. Um, so he's on screen with himself, which used to look rubbish when they started doing that back in the eighties and seventies, and then yeah. quite right. But you really can't tell. You Couldn't really you? can't tell. And it was it was mad film because there's there's no one way of doing it. So like we were finding out as we did it what would be the best way. So basically Paul would essentially do a scene. Say if there are three of us in the scene, yeah. Paul would do, we would do the scene together and put we would all place where he thought he was gonna be and do it and record his lines, then put an earpiece in, then we would all wouldn't be allowed to move. They'd get a techno dolly, this kind of crane to come say, in. Was there ever a stunt Paul, a human stunt Paul? Uh, there was sometimes, but to be honest, Paul didn't want to act with another actor because the other actor wouldn't do what Paul would do. Right. So it was more like um I was saying yesterday, <laughs> it was almost like a CSI detective. You know, CSI when someone walks around a scene is like she must have moved from here and then over there and then that's where they found the body 
that was Paul <laughs> but just acting with himself with an earwig in and he'd be looking at places where he remembered he had acted beforehand right Living yeah. With Yourself Netflix from Friday a week today it, it is brilliant there are eight, eight, eight half hour episodes mm-hmm. uh, but be, be prepared for a full you know, it's, it's about three and a half hours all in. I think. If yeah. You watch well, they wanted today. to make it like one long movie, essentially. So that's yeah, kind of what they're doing. Yeah, it's absolutely fan flipping tastic. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Madness of the band that never failed to get you moving. They're celebrating their 40th year in the business with the release of their first official book before We Was We. So without further ado, please welcome another human being that hasn't seen Dirty Dancing. It's the yes. one and only Suggs. <laughs> Right, Suggs. Well, either we form a club and we remain steadfast or we get together this weekend and watch the damn thing. What do you reckon? What's it going to be, I'm big boy? I'm performing the club. I'm performing the club, man. I ain't watching that. Yeah. I ain't watching that. I'm re- I really want to watch it now. You should watch it. It's a genuinely great film. I think people dismiss these sorts of things a little bit out of hand. For Would you reckon? I mean, between us, do we have the clout to get a private screen in somewhere? Yeah. We could sneak in in disguise. You've got to watch on a big screen first off, I would imagine. Yeah, no. I think so. I mean, it's just a genuinely great film and I think sort of, some, sometimes people dismiss it a little bit too easily for the wrong reasons. But a lot of people go on about it being the greatest film of all time as well, which is always a bit sort of... Yeah, and there's been it? various articles about that, but I've just written a whole book about it. So I'm Oh, right, well, yeah. sorry. No, no, that's all right. No, I think it's a great I just, film. I didn't, yes, exactly. <laughs> I felt you were being led into some sort I'm of dreadful uh, diplomatic <laughs> trap there. I thought I'd better if, just... As if someone waits six months of their yeah, lives. I'm just going to give you a, I'm just gonna give you a little ladder to climb down, Sucks, that's all. Yeah. I do thank you. Pardon? No, 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 no. Well, I shall be straight down at Waterstones you can after take this. That. I'll we'll sign copy that, that to you. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but the thing is, see, I was quite happy to stay on the, in our little steadfast group of two, and maybe you know, could grow, might not grow. Um, and throw it out. Uh, there. But then you read the book, and you want to watch it. That's the point. You read the book, you want to watch the film. A lot of people that's are saying that. That's the problem. Yes, that a lot is of my problem are... now. That is okay. my. Well, issue. It's well, not a problem. You're going to love it. Stay in touch, Chris. Stay in touch. So I've been reading your book as well. The five of us have been reading the book. We got five copies sent earlier on the week. It is before we were. We. Now, it's a verbatim book. What that means is uh, members of the band have been interviewed by somebody somewhere and it's, I suppose uh, tape recorders have been switched on and it says, uh, OK, tell us what you can remember from whenever you want, but let's start as early as we can. Was that about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we've had a few, well, two and a half books written about the band. You know, this sort of success that we had in the chronology has been very well recorded. So being the 40th anniversary, we thought we'd go right back to the beginning and it seemed to us more interesting to talk about how we met, why we met, and what became the band, as in, you know, the characters there involved. And you see, and it's funny because all the ingredients are there. And you, I mean, I've written down at the beginning of the book here, and this is a massive generalisation. Okay, so punk plus skinheads at the time, plus nicking clothes from Oxfam. <laughs> Plus, you you just about managed to be able to knock out See You Later Alligator on the way in from a pub. Plus, reggae um, equals madness, sort of. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, throwing the odd laundrette and uh, uh, ice skating on Hampstead Ponds. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know myself. I mean, we were all we, we talked about should we be interviewed collectively? We, we thought that's all going to get a bit cross. So what is sort of nice, I think, about it is you, you'll find the same. You know, we'd be talking about the same gig in Hope and Anchor and, and become seven completely different yeah. opinions of Again, what happened. it's a different take on the you same thing. You know, I just saw my yes, first stand-up at the Hope and Anchor in, on Upper Street in yes, Angel indeed. and they were always like, this is where Madness used to play and then it, we, we got turned into like a stand-up so gig. Funny. Myself and Nish Kumar and we all were like messing around there it's starting like the Enterprise, off. Enterprise, this is where Amy Wallace used to play yeah, pool. It's the same yeah, kind of that thing. That was where yeah. I started. That was my first gig, the Enterprise in Camden really? as well as a stand-up. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I went back to the Hope and Anchor not so long ago and it was a bit like that going back to school. You know, it was tiny. 
think 40 people, we can't imagine 20 people. But at the fit. time when you're so nervous performing for the first time, four people may as well exactly. be like it, the it, O2. It, it felt yeah. like 4,000. Mm. What was the most important early gig for you? Well, funny enough, a uh, uh, heavy petal. A flower shop in Hampstead High Street. <laughs> Heavy petal. I've got to say, there were more shop. bouquets than fans, but we were going down a storm <laughs> when a big gang of teddy boys came in at the back and they weren't particularly impressed and started lobbing everything to get their hands on. Roses, chrysanthemums, oh, huge chunks of Oasis, the green foam, not the band. And my, our keyboard player's older brother was in a band called Bazooka Joe, who were like a sort of rock and roll band. He jumped up and did uh, Jailhouse Rock. And the teddy boys dropped the buckets and started happily driving hey. at the back. And I thought, hang on, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. That sounds like such a moment in a movie. <laughs> hey, this kid's got something. A movie in my yeah. mind. Uh, there were so many, Chris, so many, so many. Okay. I mean, And punk was going on. You were a massive punk fan, weren't you? I, I, I lived just up the road from, from the Roxy. I didn't really know what was going on. I was about 16, but, but the, I just happened chanced upon that phenomenon, which was, yeah. Um, very interesting book. Uh, part of the book, rather, is um, the... Passages about um, you being a recognised skinhead band, uh, and then the National Front trying trying to hijack you, trying to own you, uh, massive issue at the time. Um, but what they didn't realise is that your music, the music you were playing, wasn't white, you know, um, right wing propaganda. It was Jamaican. So they yeah, were they were barking big... right up the wrong tree there, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a you know a big irony. I mean, it wasn't very pleasant for sure. You know, there was a period when we'd come out to see a sea of people zigiling. You know, and oh god, me and Carl used to jump in the crowd for better or for worse, mostly for worse. What to try and sort them out? But just to, yeah, just to, to to talk to them. You know, I mean, and we got in trouble a bit because one time we said, look, I don't mind if they come because I'd rather they understood what it is we're trying to say than 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 than, than be ignorant about the yeah, fact, yeah. you know, that they think we're, what they what they think we are. But I mean, it was great going on the two-tone tour and being with the specials. Obviously, the specials just had the very slight advantage of having some black people in their band. But you know, if these characters couldn't understand, we were playing well, black they, music. Well, they saw what then... they wanted to see and nothing else. And fortunately, it fizzled out relatively quickly. And I don't know what happened, oi oi, or some old, you know, stuff started after that. Before you go, uh, so what does Suggs do over weekend nowadays? What's this weekend? Um, well, I'm going to Whitstable tomorrow. Actually, I've got a big family reunion. Uh, my wife's oh, family Whitstable. from down there. Yeah, going to. The pub called The Sportsman. I don't know if you know it. Love it. No, Couple I don't. Of brothers. A few times. You know everyone's going to turn up at that pub tomorrow now. You've given oh, away your exact location. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, they're playing, a, they're playing a secret gig. Everyone's going to Also, I must have yeah, I mean, that book before we was with, there's an audio book. I, keep, I said E, but I keep getting it wrong. I've been all last night rehearsing this. There's an audio book and it's got a new Madness track on it. Thank you very much. <gasps> yeah, that's, re- that's rehearsal oh. for that's good. you. So you oh, dump yeah. the book, keep the song. All right. Yeah. So, so you got to go. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks everyone. Thank you, The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. The mere mention of his name brings thoughts of quality and class. (laughs) He's enjoyed a spectacular career and thankfully for us, he's taken photos of it all. Here with copies of his new photo book and memoir, My Life Behind the Lens. Please welcome the best of the best, the smoothest of the smooth, the snap happy, Mr. David Suchet. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are you today? Well, I'm all right. I just, (laughs) actually, I'm just about to get a cold, so it's a great time to be on radio, isn't it? Yeah, but you see, you can still do it because you've got all that technique yeah. you talk about your your voice training and your exercises in your book yeah. how, how often do you do those exercises because i did think when i was reading it last night i thought oh i need i need i always i'm always looking for throat tips well I, actually i do them every day so what do you do i do um, flexible exercises for my tongue and my lips breathing exercises and uh, voice production all right again it runs in the family and uh, being able to 
to sort of to 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 project and to talk in public, doesn't it? Communicating. You and yeah, your bros. Communicating, okay. yes. So, yeah. so and the, obviously everybody gets a mention in the book. It's a, it's you describe it because it, it's it's a photographic memoir. It it's a written memoir, but it's not gimmicky in any way. It's beautiful, is what it is. Um, the photograph on the front, I'm presuming you didn't take because unless it. It is some kind of sort of um, analogue selfie. Actually, that photograph on the front of the book is when I was just about to go onto the set in the series press. Right. And I saw myself in the mirror so in my is, trailer. So it is a selfie. And I t- it's a <laughs> selfie. Because <laughs> they said the first selfies were like... Uh, um, self-portraits by Van Gogh and things because they yeah. were in fact selfies what you've done a selfie here were good for you um, so let's talk about photography first of all cracking photographs in it all the way through the book I'm sure you've taken millions of photographs in your life inspired by Grandad Jim yeah yeah he put me on his knee at the age of eight yep taught me all the technical stuff about phot- photography and cameras and then sent me out to photograph and then gave me notes on all my pictures with composition exposure speed etc and then told me later, as I was growing up with my camera, that the most important lens that you can ever have on your camera or use is the one God gives you, your eye. Right. And you photograph not what you see, but how you see. In other words, you re- respond emotionally to an image or something that you just go, ooh, I love that. Yeah. And then you photograph what made you go, ooh. And so, so it's an emotional response rather than a clinical, I must get this photograph correct and right. Now, having been involved in a couple of books and had, had, had to, having to set out pages of, of uh, copy, that's one thing. But to organise and compose uh, a book that has photographs in it as well, you've done all the heavy lifting for us, you and your publisher or yeah. your editor. Yeah. Um, it must have been hell on earth to, to, <laughs> to which photographs where do we do a double page here do we yeah. do a couple of side photographs you know well that's where they've been brilliant and the the actual photographs but to be honest with you were chosen with me by a wonderful friend of mine robin sinner from Leica, and um, we went through all my photographs with the publishers uh, and and tried to get it very eclectic, very different, because I don't have a particular style. Right. I don't do portraiture only. I don't do landscape only. I, As I say, I photograph what I react to emotionally, which can be anything. Even in the book, you'll see a glass leaning against a wall. Yeah. Why did I photograph that? Because I looked at it and went, Ooh, yeah, that I worked. love that. And once you start looking, once you really start to pay attention to things, if you go around art galleries and things, you st- things start to come alive, more alive than they already are, perhaps. Yes. And which is so exciting. And depth, there's more depth. You can almost dive into them. You can sort of breaststroke your way into them if you want to, can't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Do you take all the photographs in this book? Yeah, yeah. Every single no, one? No, not everyone, uh, because there's one picture of my... Uh, grandparents that right. I couldn't have taken because they just got married. All but right. otherwise, everyone is my own, yeah. Okay, and uh, your favourite is one uh, you took of your wife in Venice, uh, waving, uh, looking very Helen, Helen Mirren-esque, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> is that all right to say that or not? <laughs> That's no, I, my... I, I thought it, so I thought I'd say it. That was lovely. Um, and she's waving to someone. My little grandson. Oh, my goodness Who's behind me, me yeah. And the look of love there. Oh, well, we, we adore him. And that blue Venetian sky, yeah. gorgeous. Oh, is that a river taxi you're on there? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Living the dream, David, living the dream. <laughs> well, it was the only way to get to the mainland. No, I know, but come on, it's still cool, though, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you do have a lovely picture here of the of the leaving present you were gifted. Oh, which? let me see it. There you go. 
Oh, look at all those little things, all those little trinkets. And we've seen these on screen a lot. Yeah, you've seen them every time. Just describe what we're looking at here, David. Well, you've, you've got a little tiny miniature coat rack, uh, like a toast rack. You've got a, one of the collars I wear. You've got um, my, my shaving um, utensils. You've got my cufflinks, you've got my studs, um, you've got my ring, etc. Et see, now you're saying mine. Oh, yes. You're not saying Poirot's. No, you see, there it is. Oh, the lines are blurred. <laughs> there you go. You fell into my dastardly trap. Uh, but you do talk. It's great. It's, by the way, if you if you you love acting or you want to inspire somebody who wants to get into acting, um, it, it's, a, it's a great book for that as well. You talk about settling into a character. It's like a gear change in your day. Tell us about that. Well, what tends to happen, and it's completely involuntary, if I'm because I play these big, big theatre roles. There's no, I mean, they're wonderful roles I'm given, but it can be if I'm doing a seven thirty performance, uh, I'll be walking around with my wife in a shop or something like that, and all of a sudden, I can literally, like a click of my finger, the character will click in, and it's like a gear change. Right. I suddenly found myself looking at the world through the eyes of my character back to the eyes yeah. back There's to the most important do. lens yeah David great to see you again lovely to be okay, with you awesome David Suchet behind the lens my life uh, it's out now the best of the Chris Evans breakfast show with Sky on Virgin Radio are you listening to this whilst on the way to a job that leaves you unfulfilled do you want to make a change in your life if so you need to listen closely to our next guest her book everything is figure outable is just the kickstart you might be looking for please welcome the superstar life coach without reproach it's Marie Folio. <laughs> Good morning, Marie. Good morning. So I saw you on the telly with? With Mark Manson. That's right, I yes. did, because he came in here talking about his second book. Yes. Um, which has just been out a couple of weeks. And whilst researching that, I went online and saw your interview with him. And I said, who? I came in, I said, who is this woman? And you've had your own TV channel now for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, almost a decade. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but what I loved about your, your interview with him, it was, so, it was so precise. And sometimes when so-called life coaches or, or personal development coaches are interviewing somebody who's written something which is quite profound. They sort of get in the way of the interview because they want the interviewee to know how much they agree with them. Or You know what I mean? They sort of step over the interview. Absolutely. And you so didn't do that. And I thought, oh, here's another one of those interviews. I know what's going to happen here. Because I like people like Mark Manson and yourself when they're just talking. Yes. You know, I think they're at the best. But you, you honestly, best the best kind of those interviews I've ever seen. Thank you so much. That means the world to me. But you're not on to talk about your TV channel. You're on to talk about your book. That's right. Okay, so here we go. Um, this is already, by the way, a New York Times bestseller, everyone. Yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, so, uh, Marie Folio, everything is figureoutable. Um, how to write another book like this? How do you decide... How to write it? It must be like chefs write, writing cookbooks. How do you make it different? What are you offering here that we that we may never have read before, or we might be need to be reminded of? Well, I think first of all, it's such a simple idea, and in its simplicity, that's where all the profoundness comes from. Because anyone can use this idea. It's just three words: everything is figureoutable. Yeah. And I think it activates a part of your brain that searches for solutions rather than problems. And goodness knows, right? In our world right now, we've got more than enough problems to go around. Personal problems. There's over 300 million people in the world right now that suffer from depression. In the United States, suicide rates are at a 30-year high, so people are in pain. So when you have a simple phrase like "everything is figureoutable," 
it's a quick way to get us to start moving in the right direction. And I felt like if I could communicate this effectively, honestly, you know, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, which I hope doesn't happen, I could leave this world going like I did my good work because I gave people something they could actually use. Did you come up with the phrase figure outable yourself? My mom. Oh, actually. come on. Tell us about her. Tell us about your mom. She's such an interesting character. So my mom grew up in the projects of Newark, New Jersey, uh, for the daughter of two alcoholic parents. And she learned by necessity how to stretch a dollar bill around the block like five times. And when I was a young child in New Jersey, one of my fondest memories was sitting at the kitchen table on Sundays with the Sunday paper clipping out coupons because she loved to teach us how to save money. She also loved to teach me about the free stuff that brands would send you if you saved up the proof of purchase. Do you guys have that? Yeah. Yeah. So one of her prized possessions was this little transistor radio was shaped like a Tropicana orange that she got from Tropicana orange juice for free. I want one of those. Right? I'm going to send you one actually, Chris. (laughs) So I have like 30 of them now because everyone's purchased them off of eBay and they send them all to me. So there was a little red and white straw sticking out of the side. It was her favorite thing. Anyway, as a child, (laughs) I knew how to find my mom somewhere around the yard of their house by listening for the sound of that tinny radio. So one day I'm walking home from school and I approach the house and I hear the radio off in the distance. And as I get closer, she is actually on the roof of our two-story house perched very precariously with her little orange radio next to her. And I'm like, Mom, what are you doing up there? Is everything okay? And my mom, she's like, Ree, everything's fine. The roof had a leak. I called the roofer. He said it was going to be at least 500 bucks. I said, screw that. I'm going to fix it myself. (laughs) Another day, I come home from school, and I hear the radio off in the distance, and I find my mom in the back of the house. She's in the bathroom. I push open the door. There's, like, dust particles in the air. There's pipes sticking out of the wall. It looked like an explosion went off. I said, Mom, is everything okay? What are you doing? She's like, Ree, I'm fine. The tiles had some cracks in them. I didn't want the bathroom to get moldy, so I'm retiling the bathroom. Now, you guys, you got to understand, my mom is high school educated. This is the 80s. This is a pre-internet, pre-Google, pre-YouTube world. One day I come home and I walk up to the house and it's dark out. Things were eerie and everything was silent. And for an Italian-American home, that is not a good sign, right? Silence is not good. I walk in and I'm like, where's the sound of the radio? Where's my mom? Tiptoeing around, don't find her. All of a sudden I hear some clicks and clacks. They're coming from the kitchen. I walk into the kitchen and I see my mom hunched over the kitchen table, which looked like an operating room. There was like screwdrivers and electrical tape. And in about a dozen pieces was a completely dismantled Tropicana orange radio. And I was like, Mom, are you okay? I know this is our favorite thing. She's like, Re, I'm fine. She's like, the antenna was broke. The dial was a little off. So I'm just fixing my radio. And I stood there, Chris, and I said, hey, Mom, how do you know how to do so many different things that you've never done before, but nobody's showing you how to do it? She put everything down. And she looked at me and said, Re, life is not that complicated. You can do anything you set your mind to. If you roll up your sleeves, you get in there and do it. Everything is figure outable. Come on! And from that moment, that little phrase took root in my soul. And I'll tell you, it's been the single most powerful driving force in my life. Well, I'll tell you this. I've been doing this for a few years now. Yeah. That's the best answer to a single question I've ever come across. Yes! Because you, you, you told us a story, you told us a story, you told us a story, and then you ended with everything is figure outable. Which we knew you were going to say, but it didn't make it any less of a moment. Amazing. Do you want to say anything else before you go, Marie? Well, I will tell you this. Um, there was a chapter that didn't make it into the book that my publisher and my editor were like, eh, we think the book stops here. And I was like, but this is really good. This is the advanced stuff. So anyway, after I got over that little heartbreak, I took the material that didn't make it into the book and I turned it into a free online course. There's no upsells. I just want to give people this material. It teaches them how to embed this belief, everything is figureoutable, into their brain using neuroscience and behavioral science so that it becomes 
becomes their default operating system. Right. That's what right. we need today. Right? <laughs> so anyway, if folks go to eifcourse.com. EIF. EIF. Say slow, slow. E. E. I. F. Dot. Course.com. Sorry. EIF. Course.com. You can see all the details. Everybody write this down. I know I've got a microphone on this transmitter, but I'm still shouting. EIFcourse.com. As long as you get the book in any form, Audible, Kindle, you know, paperback, whatever form you like, that gets you free admission to the course. And again, there's there's no funny business. I just want to make sure that people have the information because this belief has been so transformative to everyone I've shared it with. I want to get it out to as many folks as possible. You're awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.